What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of? With your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with my friend Kavita Shane. 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 I said, it. I said it right. Man, so so look, my last name's Shirako, so people mess it up all the time. That's why they call me C-Rock. So. But anyway, listen, guys, I want to thank you for being here and watching or listening to the podcast. I appreciate your support. I always love to start the show with gratitude. And also, if you want to be unstoppable like me and like Kavita, go get the book Rocket Fuel, Convert Setbacks, Become Unstoppable with the foreword written by none other than Grant Cardone himself. And he tells about what the rocket fuel concept means to him and his business and his life. So go get that book. And now let me introduce my friend Kavita. She is a broadcaster, speaker, entrepreneur, and humanitarian. She's been on television before on a lot of different places. And we're going to get into that as we talk. But you know, Kavita, first of all, let me welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. And also, we always start the show with the question, what are you made of? And so I put it on the wall for people so they don't forget. And let's start by asking the question, Kavita, what are you made of? Luckily, I can read sideways and I feel like I'm made of steel. I feel like no matter what you throw at me, I always come out on top and I always learn something from whatever I go through. Uh, I feel like I'm confident, but I'm humble. And especially just as you get older, you just realize more and more every day what's important and what's not. And I just love just seeing like my soul evolved from my 20s to my 30s and beyond. And I'm sure you feel the same way because I feel like we're around the same age. But yeah, when you said that, what popped in my head was steel. You're in your 30s? I thought well, you were in your 30s. I, I don't talk about my age. So I feel like age is just a number. And I, I know, like- <laughs> I know, but hold up. I thought you were in your 20s because I, I would, the whole conversation about was going to be about how you achieve so much only in your 20s. But no, just, oh. I mean, I know you look wonderful and- uh we have little- facials, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get facials. By the way, by the way, so my wife just got me uh, turned on the facials. Her friend does them. And she's like, hey, I signed you up for one. And I'm Good. like, I don't want to. I mean, like, I, did, I thought I was just scrubbing your face. I didn't know what it was. I go in there and they, she put some kind of uh, Cabernet something on. <laughs> and then the head massage and the face. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And now I get them regularly. So. Um, so, you know, you can tell, I was going to say, I was browsing through your Instagram profile and you just look beautiful. You look like your skin is nice and flushed and you're always like, you know, good energy, positivity. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Retinol, retinol, man. Retinol. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I haven't started retinol yet, but, but my facialist did tell me that she's like, I want to start you on retinol. So, I mean, I'm just nervous about the whole sun thing. Cause as you can see, I'm in Florida, we're always outside. Uh, yep. But yeah, I think the retinol is the way to go. Love it. Love it. So listen. Let's talk about steel. So take us back. I don't care how far back, diapers, crawling, whatever, till now. Tell us about how you grew up and what went into you know, making you who you are. All right. 
So I am originally from London and my ancestry is Indian, uh, 23 me. I thought I had a little Greek in me, but no, 23 me said you are 99% Indian. <laughs> so um, both my parents from East Africa and my father got transferred to Florida from England when I was five years old. So, and it was hard because, you know, my parents like were here in Florida by themselves, whereas like Indian families were kind of like, Latin families in that were very like knit, like together close in our communities. You know, I had like all my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, like everybody's big family. So for my mom, it was very isolating. Uh, and in England, she was an accountant. And then here, you know, she didn't get to go through all the testing. She was raising three daughters. So it was hard for her. Um, it was also hard for us because I had a British accent and, you know, it, it, people just would make fun of me. They'd ask me to say curse words. I was entertaining because of my accent and you know, at the time when you're a young child, you want to be like everyone else, right? Mm -hmm. When you're an adult, you try so hard to be different. And when you're a child, you try so hard to be like everybody else. And had I known then what I know now, I would have kept my British accent, first of all, because I mean, let's be real, like that, that would be a game changer. Everybody loves a British accent. But <laughs> I, feel so I feel so intimidated. I have a friend named Matt Salties, and we're in a coaching program together, this and that. And He's always talking and I'm like, God, man, he sounds so, I'm so intimidated. I'm like, come on, Matt, stop it. <laughs> I know. He sounds so smart. Everybody wants to hear a British person talk. So, you know, on Clubhouse, it's like every time a British person comes in, we're all like, oh gosh, say more. Come on, man. So um, <laughs> I, I'm like, come on, just hit, hit mute. Let me get in here. Come on. <laughs> I know, right? It's yeah, funny. Yeah. But so anyway, I'd go home. I'd practice. I'd say instead of water, I'd say water you know, Florida. And I would just practice and I wanted to just be like everybody else. On top of that, I was a little Indian girl, a little, as you can see, I'm brown. I was a little brown girl with a British accent. And at that time in my community, people really only knew black and white. They didn't really know Latin, brown, Indian, whatever. So, you know, I'd get made fun of for my skin tone and they'd make Indian jokes or whatever. So I knew I, but I, I was friends with everybody. So I, I figured out a way early on to kind of like turn insults into just like let them roll off my shoulders, not care, move on to the next thing. And I was always that person that always like defended anyone being bullied. And, you know, I got a lot of respect because I just did a lot of things and didn't care what people thought of me. You know what I mean? Like I was an A student or I was joining, I was in a band, I was in the drill team, I was in honor society, whatever it was, I was running for president by the time I was in college, in uh, high school. Um, and so it was kind of like, I, I just learned that over time that yes, I can have insecurities. People can make me feel like crap, but they're really not making me, I'm allowing them to make me feel like crap. So I can either allow that, or I can just know that, it, you know, whatever they're saying has to do with the way they were raised and just keep moving and not take it personal, which is what I did. And eventually went to the university of Florida for broadcasting, um, so I spent most of my twenties probably doing what you shouldn't do. You know, like I was just like having a good time, changing my career, doing all these silly things. I knew I wanted to be in front of the camera, but I felt like I didn't really have the confidence. Like what was, why would I, someone, why would I, this like Indian girl from London, why would I get chosen out of all these cute American girl next door with the blonde hair and the blue eyes? You know, I just felt like those women were the ones that everybody wanted then. So in my twenties, I kind of, you know, I had so many, I started a business, a concierge company, you know, in my early twenties, I worked for a company that managed Floyd Mayweather. I did, so, I was a spokesmodel for Fanta Zippo, all these crazy things. Now, listen, I had fun doing it, but I didn't really start 
my career until my late twenties. And had I started earlier, who knows where I would have gone, but you know, it's maybe who I am. You know, I did start, I I had a client in my uh, luxury concierge that needed somebody to be a red carpet reporter. And he knew I was a broadcasting major from UF. So he said, you do it. We were going to hire somebody. He's like, you just do it. But there I was like pushed into that whole scene, um, interviewing LeBron James, Paris Hilton, Nikki Hilton, Sylvia Vergara, like top stars at the time. That was 2008. And what I noticed with one of my interviews was when I did the LeBron James interview, it got like so many more views than the other celebrities that I interviewed. At that time, every entertainment reporter, journalist, whatever, they wanted to be on E. They wanted to be on Inside Edition. Those were the hot things, you know, like Us Weekly, all that celebrity gossip was the in thing, as you know. I was like, listen, am I going to compete and do what everyone wants to do? Or should I just like do something a little different and see where that takes me? So I focused on sports, which I love sports. And I thought there's not a lot of women besides at that time, there was only like Aaron Andrews and maybe a few other people. Yep. So, um, but how was I going to do that? So I reached out to my sports contacts that I knew just people in the business. And they said, we'd love to help you, but you don't have any sports on your reel. All you have is celebrity stuff. And then there's LeBron James. So I started a YouTube channel. And it was called First Down and Dirty. And I just got down and dirty and interviewed different uh, sports stars. And, you know, I'd interview one. And then after the interview, I'd say, like, do you have anyone you can recommend, connect me with, you know, that I could interview in the future? And it, it, you know, it got millions of views. And it was a hit pretty early on, which uh, a lot of people, you know, took notice, including the people at Fox Sports. And what ended up happening was I created a reel, since I didn't have one before, of all my sports interviews from my YouTube page. And that turned into a job with Fox Sports. That turned into a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars, sideline reporting. And then I did UFC, MMA, grid side, just all these different sports, MLB, soccer, whatever. And I loved that. Okay. I did. I loved the travel. It was so much fun. And then I just, one day, it was 2017 and I, and I, I didn't even have an agent. All my jobs I got on my own or through social media or whatever. I just thought to myself, what would be like the highest that I could get to? Like, okay. And I thought, who's like at the top of sports broadcasting, right? Like, okay, you have Hannah Storm on ESPN, right? Or you have like, say, Aaron Andrews or something. Yep. And I thought- Susie Colbert. Wow. So what about Susie Colbert? Don't forget about Susie. Love her. Love all these ladies, right? So I thought, if I got that position, how would my life change? How would I feel? Like, what would I, I tried to like envision myself in that position. And I was like, I really probably wouldn't want to be in a studio every day because I'm so used to like traveling and doing my own thing. I did sidelines. Like I'm a person I really don't like being in the same place every day doing the same thing. I need like variety. I need to be creative. And I thought maybe this is not, I'm like focusing so much on this career. Maybe if if the top is not really somewhere that I'd be like so excited to be, what am I doing? Yeah. So I decided to continue doing my broadcasting, but like not focus only on that. And I launched a wine. Shanae Rose. <laughs> I love traveling. And I thought, well, how could I? I love France. I love the South of France. How could I get there more? Well, if I had a business that involved the South of France, I'd have to go there more often for business. Yeah. That's, that's what I do for Miami, by the way. Like, I love going to South Florida and I've like make excuses. So I'm going to have to go to the South of France now and figure out how to do that now. So maybe I'll start a Sea Rock wine. You should. That would be amazing. I picture like a nice cabernet. <laughs> oh, they they already they already took my name for uh vodka. vodka. I mean, come on, it's like kind of messed up. He didn't even. Ask I know me. they took my name for uh, the the Kavita prebiotic drink. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
Son of a bitch. <laughs> I know, right? So when you were doing the reporting, did you make a lot of friends with some of the celebrities when you were doing that? Or like, Oh, yeah. No, I like, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And I felt like it was just, I felt so happy with what I was doing. I, I loved it. It didn't even feel like work. It was so awesome. But I felt like I did it for, for I'm just like that person that every five, six, seven years, I need to like reinvent myself. I just felt like I was like hitting like a ceiling where I'm like, mm, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. Which is good because when I launched the wine, I, I literally, my boyfriend and I got pregnant a few months later. And actually when the wine actually debuted is when my daughter was born. So I couldn't imagine, I got to give it to the women that are out there on the sidelines pregnant. Like I couldn't imagine doing that. I just mm-hmm. traveling and while you're pregnant and all that schedule and all that, you can do it, but it wouldn't be ideal. Yeah, yeah. So nah. Everything happened the way it should, although it was hard for me to sell wine with a big old belly. And I was pregnant twice during the first few so- years. So not knowing much about, like you might've drank wine like myself and maybe been a little bit of a connoisseur maybe, but how did you know about the business of it? And how did, like for those out there listening right now that are saying, man, I'd like to do that. Like, how did you start? Like where, what was step one? And by the way, I have a question. I mean, I have a reason for this questioning because I'm going to tell you about something I'm working on right now. And this would be the answer to this question for everybody, but go ahead. Well, I didn't know anything. I I really didn't know anything. And actually I did a trip to Europe and I didn't even like rosé before that and then when i went to europe i fell in love with it and then i came back to america and i was ordering it it was like 2016 every time i'd order it at a restaurant it would be garbage and i'm like this does not taste like the rosé i drink in france why is that so um and at the time there was only like one or two rosés on the menu my last name's shanae so my friends would joke around shanae rosé and then i actually did have a friend who was a distributor in the business and he was like listen there's this, if you're serious, he's like, you know, you're joking. He's like, but you know, you could do this if you wanted to. And there's this, there's this business conference where all these rosé winemakers all over the world are going to be in February. Just check it out. Why don't you just come check it out see what happens? I went, I met with over a hundred different winemakers and I found my match. She ended up winning the gold medal actually at the conference. We created a blend together for me and they're based right outside of Saint-Tropez. And I've been working with them ever since. And it's been a very tough process because like you said, would it, would it, how did I know how to do it? Well, I'm a person where I just jump in. I'm not like really, there's not like so much thought that goes into like, because I feel like we all have to start somewhere. When I did my first sideline, it's not like I had ever done that before. You know, when I right. interviewed my first celebrity, I didn't, it's not like I had done that before. So it's kind of like, you know, you, you make, you set goals, you plan as much as you can, but oftentimes you don't even use what you planned to do. Like you just kind of like, just, it takes its own form, whatever business you have. And that's right. kind of what's happened here. And so when you got in it, were there setbacks that you had or like points where you weren't sure it was going to make it? And, you know, like, just tell us I feel like, that every some day. difficulties. You still feel like that. Yeah. Oh, I feel that every day. I'm yeah. always like, there's always, I, you know, for me, it's like there, the world, well, not for me, for everybody, the world is always changing. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, think about all of you guys, like you do a lot of, um, inspirational stuff. You're helping people build their businesses, build their life. And remember with COVID, all those events and all those places that you got to go out there and do your speaking engagements stopped, right? Yeah. And then Clubhouse came along and now here you have this other platform. The world's constantly evolving. So for me, I always feel like I need to e- evolve as a business. You know, like right when COVID happened, I was like, oh my gosh, like all my restaurants aren't ordering for me. What do I do? So 
you know, I started going on social media and I just started posting all the time about, Hey, like you're at home. Do you want some wine? I can deliver to your house, whatever. Of course and, they do. Of course they want wine. <laughs> yeah. So I sold so much wine, just like B2C where I was mostly a B2B person. Yeah. And then now I was selling straight to consumers through a retailer. I paired up with a retailer and then I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book rocket fuel is available for sale now at Mike forward slash book that's mike croc.com forward slash book go get a copy and share it with your friends and family it will change lives guys i would not let you down now back to the show and then you know this past summer i decided not to stay in florida because again all the restaurants were closed we were shut down still and i went up north to long island i went up to the hamptons and i just what started off as just like a vacation to get away i ended up selling all my wine there now i gotta go back this summer um, I'll be in the Hamptons and Long Island, um, you know, with all my new accounts. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because I will say if you want to have a wine or you want to have a liquor, it's, there's so many regulations, so many laws you have to follow. It's the three tier system. It's not like if I want to sell you this bottle of water, Mike, you can go on my Instagram, click on a link and buy it. No, right. you can't do it that easy. There's so many regulations. So, and even just giveaways and, and ways to promote on social media. You can't just give liquor away. You can't even ship liquor without a retailer. Right. So there's a, there's a lot of, of, of stuff that you have to think about. And then also if you don't have millions to pour into a brand, you know, in terms of marketing and social media and Facebook ads and all that stuff, it's really hard. I have to do a lot of grassroots stuff, you know, but I enjoy it still. I mean, I, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I love that this started from like a vacation and just like a joke. And then now it's an actual business that I love so much and yeah. it's just thrown, you know? And what's your, what's your two to three year, like vivid vision, like grand vision of this, like where, like you're talking about when you were doing a sideline reporting and you're thinking like, what's the top, like, what's the top of this for you? Oh, you know what I've learned? I don't reveal that anymore. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I think when I was younger, I used to always tell people where I want my 5, 10, 20. I feel like something that important, like you need to hold close to you. You really do. It's okay to like talk yeah. about like where you want to be in your life and whatnot. But really specifically, I try to hold that close to me. And I, of course, I'll tell the people around me. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that for sure, like I told you in five, seven years, I always like to reinvent myself. I love what I'm doing. We're creating more wines. I want to build this brand and I want to, there's other things I'm doing too. I wrote a children's book. I'm also doing a book on solo pregnancy. There's many things that I want to do. And I think in 2021, people can do so many different things. It's very rare. You meet one person that's doing one thing, right? Yep. yep. So I think if we're all like reinventing ourselves all the time, I feel like that is the spice of life. Like, yep. did you ever do um, Tony Horton's exercises? I forget. It was like P90X or something. Yeah, yeah, I did those before. You remember he'd be like doing the exercise yeah. and he'd be like, he'd be like, right, he's the spice of life. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I do remember it, that, yeah. Yeah, I did a really lot of push-ups and pull-ups. A lot of push-ups and pull-ups, man. Jeez, thanks. I loved plyometrics, but variety really is the spice of life. You know what yeah. I mean? I think yeah. that you, the way that you don't get bored with life is just by doing so many amazing things, like have a huge list of, uh, you know, a, a huge list of things that you want to check off in your life and do them all. Yeah. You know, yeah. I get bored very easily with uh, things. And I, I live in Maryland, Ocean City, Maryland. And in the wintertime, okay. it sucks here. Like, <laughs> the weather sucks. P90 
people, there's nobody here. And I, like, I like people, I like being around the action and energy and it's not. So that's why I take a lot of trips to uh, Miami during the winter time because we got, you know, the kids have school and stuff. So it's kind of tough, but I'm like that, man. I'm not, I'm not necessarily an action junkie. I just need people and energy, you know, yeah. and I, I love that. So, so give me something from your past that whether it was somebody that pissed you off or let you down or something that you still look back on and fuel off of, like for me, just to give you a quick background, my dad, when I was 11, crumpled up a hundred dollar bill. This is a very short story of the long story, but crumpled up a hundred dollar bill and threw it at me and said, I was going to need it, need it when I was living on the street with my, with my mother one day. And there's a lot more to the story, but there was a lot of broken people in my life. But I always look back to that story and that's what sparked my rocket fuel. But what's something like in the past that you look back on, if anything, I mean, and just, you know what? No way. I'm not going to, like when you don't feel like doing it, you don't feel like taking it to the next level or doing something. Is there anything that you feel off of? I think, and this is funny because it was a blessing that we moved to America and we were away from my extended family because I do feel like my extended family and it's not their fault. I love them so much, but I do feel like a lot of the times uh, throughout my life, they kind of, you know, would speak to my mom and kind of be judgmental about the choices I made and you know, the things I was doing. But now they're so just like, they're so enamored that I just have the balls to just kind of go after whatever I want. So for me, it was always, there's like this uh, meme or this like image that I, I remember I saw on Instagram a long time ago and it's like a little note. And it's basically when someone tries to prove you wrong, like, do I, I can't remember what the exact words are. But it's basically, basically like just the gist of if you try to count me out, I'm going to work even harder to get it done. And it's, that's always propelled me. It's always when people don't believe in me, like I show them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I thank them for not believing in me because if everyone believed in me, maybe I wouldn't like do the thing. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. So, yep. And that's like a driving force. And I think that that's why you have to always, I love when people say that you have to learn from your trials, learn from... Like if something didn't work out for you, that's probably something that did like did was on purpose, was intentional in the universe to help you better your life, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I love it. But you know, when people say things like they see rock, you're killing it. You know, you're, I see whoever like I I take it and I say thank you. But the thing is, is that I'm kryptonite for me is complacency and comfortable comfortability. And if I hear that, I don't I don't want my mind triggering and setting back. You know, I always like to think that I'm not doing enough. Every morning I wake up, how can I get no more? What am I doing? What am I missing? Like, I need to find my blind spot. Like there's something that I'm not, you know, and I'm always looking for that. And I think that's what high performers do though. But I have a saying, it's never as good as other people see it, but it's never as bad as you feel it is. Right. You know, because some some days I'm like, I had a talk with my financial advisor the other day and, you know, just leading into it. I was just like, I didn't have the clarity that I really wanted. And, you know, I was just just not feeling right. So every time I talk to him, it seems like we get clear on things and I'm like, oh shit, I got it pretty good. Like, you know, so I think that we all go through those little ups and downs and clarity is a big help with that. But, um, so right though, you know, you're so right though, because it's like, if everyone just complimented you every day and just said how great you're doing this and that, that's like, even with parenting with children, you want to be their biggest cheerleader, but you also don't want to give them like that complacency in that false sense of like, I'm great. Then you don't have to try any harder. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So it's a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how old are your children now? I have two toddlers. I have a oh, almost shit. one and a half year old and I'm sorry, an almost two year old and an almost three and a half year old. Oh yeah. So they're running around and all that. That's like what I, mine's 14 and eight. And when we go to the store, <laughs> the mall or something, they would just run off. And that was the worst because 
you're constantly bending over to grab them. And I remember those days. Now I don't have to worry about that. So that now I'm just like, get away from me. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding. I love my kids to death. It's so, like every parent's worst nightmare is to lose their child on the store. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah. I can't count how many times I like, where, where's Nick? Where's Nick? Where's Sophie? You know? I know. So two more things here. So one, I have a new product coming out. We started a tech company and it has a product called Blueprinted. B-L-O-O printed. And the reason I asked the question of before about how to do something or how to accomplish something, what did you know how to do it? There is a lot of digital training courses, a lot of video courses out there, and only about under 20% of people actually finish them when they buy them. And so that means the effective rate of them is a lot lower than that. So I was thinking about this, like, what's the problem with this? I looked at the negatives. I looked at the positives. And then I figured it out. If somebody was able to tell you or me exactly how to achieve something like the wine, Kavita, this is what you do first. This is what you do second. After that, you do this. Now, at the third step, if you run into XYZ, do this. But if you run into TUV, run, do this. And step-by-step blueprinted, algorithmic step-by-step process. I mean, people, as long as they added the action to the steps, they'd know how to do it and they'd have confidence. Most confidence is lacking because people don't know what to do next or what to do first. So blueprinted is going to be able to solve this problem by everybody that's successful in something that wants to get involved with this. If they develop their blueprint, which we help them with, they can sell it to the public and create a lot more success for people. And so uh, I'm- I love that. I love that. That's an amazing idea. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I do have a story about that. Go on. No, no, no. That's so that's the, that's what we're getting ready to launch here soon. And I'm so excited about it. So I'm going on a kick right now that digital courses and videos suck. I'm not going to say that probably. I shouldn't say suck, but they're not effective. And we have the solution for that. And I'm going to really like I'm I'm going to call Bradley at, like probably later this week and just talk trash to him because he's got Lightspeed VT and just say, "Hey man, I got something that's going to crush your system." And then we'll end up working together somehow, but Anyway, what's your story on the blueprinted? No, you know what, C-Rock, you hit the nail on the head. I feel like a lot of people go out there seeking help and advice and a blueprint. And they always, people always start out with, you know, I've got this, you know, this plan for you, whatever. I can tell you exactly how to get to where I am, blah, blah, blah. And then you buy the course and you're like, at the end of it, like, I just wasted X amount of hours of my life. And I didn't, you just told me the basic crap that I already know, but thanks. So I get that. And that turns people off of wanting to buy these courses and all that stuff. So you, you, you hit the nail on the head. You want a blueprint. You want step one, step two, step three. Now, listen, when you give people steps, it doesn't mean they're going to follow them exactly, but you've given them the blueprint, the exact way in steps that's organized of how you did it and they could follow it or they could pivot or they could have a better idea, but at least they have that blueprint. I was just talking to a woman today consulting about my children's book. And I told her, listen, you know, with my um, solo pregnancy book that I'm writing, I actually have a literary agent. We're going through the traditional publishing route. And I told her with this book, I am not because it is so slow, the self, the traditional publishing route. I said what I was going through in 2018, I was excited to talk about that in 2019. I don't want to wait till 2022 to talk about it because it's not fresh in my, it's not fresh in my brain. And I said, this whole thing is just so slow. And I said, with self-publishing with my children's book, listen, a lot of times, even with traditional publishing, you have to do a lot of the work yourself. So with self-publishing, I just want to get right to it. I wrote this book, you know, and it's going to come out this summer. It'll be in our hands in June. I'm going to pre-sell it, whatever. And I told her if there was a person that could literally just say like, Hey, this is X, Y, Z, the way to do it. Like, here's the marketing way. Here's where you do. Here's what you, you do. Have social media. Yes. No. Do you, here's where you go to sell to Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, blah, blah, blah. Or if, even if they were a person that can do it on their own, 
they'd be millionaires because people would just pay them for their expertise. Yep. You know, yep. and that we really just at this point, we're all busy. We just want a blueprint. We just want yep. steps. Like quit all the other semantics and words and all the extra stuff around it. Like cut to the yep. chase. We don't have time for all that. Yeah, I love it. And we're and we and it's on my shoulders, my team's shoulders to make sure that the blueprints work. And we're going to certify them. So when we bring people in, they're going to have to be blueprints certified. And it's going to be I'm just so excited because I've been looking I've been looking for this thing. Like I'm in the mortgage business. I've run a large division as well. And I just wrote the book, all that, but I, I've been looking for this thing and I finally found it with my partner Jared and my my other partner. So uh, I'm excited and I wanted to share that with you because uh, you mentioned about the the wine and so before I get to the final question about rocket fuel, what is the best way to, for the audience to engage with you or buy the wine or, oh, by the way, the title of your uh, new book that's coming out, what's that called? So the children's book, book is Frederick the Hamptons Frog. And it's about a real frog that was actually in my pool at the house I rented that wouldn't leave the pool. And he would swim next to us. I mean, I had friends visit. I had family visit. I had my kids in the pool. This frog just didn't care. <laughs> I love it. He owned this property pretty much. I mean, he would just swim right by with his cute little frog legs. I could never eat frog legs after that. Uh, but he ended up being a friend of ours and I kept dreaming about him. And now it's a book. And the illustrator I'm working with, founder on a Facebook group, is she's amazing. So listen, when we get off this podcast, I'm going to send you a copy of the cover because okay. it's so cute. <laughs> awesome, man. I love it. I love that idea. Uh, and it's cool that it has a story behind it too, you know, the real story. So I have a picture uh, of the real frog too. Oh, sick, man. <laughs> Tell us about the wine, though, as far as where they can find it. Okay, so if you guys want to connect with me, it's best on Instagram, at Kavita Shanae. Our wine is at the Shanae Rosé. And, you know, we have a link on there where you can buy the wine. We do ship almost every state from Florida. Shipping, um, yeah, you know, you can get it straight to your house and it's not through retailer. But if you're in the Hamptons or Florida or Georgia, we have it in a lot of restaurants. Yeah, so Instagram's the best way to connect with me, guys. You can DM me, message me, comment, whatever. Shawnee Rose, let's go, guys. Support Kavita with this. Final question The rocket fuel law or concept, I, I call it a law because if you follow my steps in the book, you become unstoppable. But anything that comes your way that would stop a normal human being or slow them down, you take all of that, you store it in your tank instead of your trunk where it weighs you down, and you convert it into rocket fuel for your future. You don't only just get back like resiliency skits back to the original form, you blast off way through that. And you become unstoppable because you've taken everything that can stop you out of your way. What does that mean to you? I think that means to knowing that you are a superstar, that you're resilient, that you're strong, that you can have everything that all these people you look up to have, you can have it. Everybody is born a person, you know, and we create our own story. So when it's like you write your Rockefeller book, you are the creator and the author of your own story. Is it going to be a snoozer? Or is it going to be a bestseller? So let's aim for the bestsellers, baby. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, they say, uh, you just said uh, everybody's been born a, a human being. But and they say, look, he he puts his pants on the same one leg at a time. I'm like, nope, I don't. I put my pants on two legs at a time. <laughs> so no, it's That's funny. No, and then also people say like, oh, this person's born with money. This person's not whatever. But we've seen people with money like Steve Jobs, they, they you know, that, that pass away young. We've seen people that have nothing that are on top of the world. You see someone that was went through so many trials and tribulations like Oprah Winfrey. Look, she's Oprah Winfrey. So there's no excuse, like no excuses, guys. If you feel like you just want to just, you know, glide through life and then own it, that's fine. If you feel like you want to be a superstar, own that. If you feel like, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do. You're the creator of your own story. That's what I want people to know. 
Love it. Creator of your own story. Thank you, Kavita. I appreciate it. Enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for coming on the show. Guys, go support Kavita with the Shanae Rose. And until next time, guys, go subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Or if you'd like to watch these, go check out YouTube, Mike C-Rock, Sirocco. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's Mike croc.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.